The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The history of Rocky Horror is a history of cinema. For everything you like about Rocky Horror, there was at least one film that inspired it. And we're going to review them all on Episode Zero. everybody and welcome back to episode zero the rocky horror picture show podcast where we don't really talk about the rocky horror picture show <gasps> my name is william bibiani i am a critic everybody calls me bibs uh, my name is whitney seibold i too am a critic uh you can call me dr frankenfurter if you wish i don't no uh, of, of all of my years being involved with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I was working at the theater where it showed. I went as regular. I was never a cast member. Not even once? Uh, I, I was Ralph Hapshat in uh, one one performance. Ralph Hapshat is a bit of a joke of a role because mm. he just grabs someone from the audience a lot of the time. Yeah, and I, I was Hapshat. grabbed from the audience to be yeah. Ralph Hapshat. I was Ralph Hapshat. Yeah. <laughs> well, I only, t- I've only been twice. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, Brad, that guy. Uh, right. And uh, as uh, I left my tenure at the movie theater where it played, after 13 years of working there, they, they made me an honorary cast member. Oh, well, that's nice. So that was that. very nice. That's sweet. Um, but I never got to dress in full Frank drag. I've mm. never dressed as Frank. And I, I feel that that's sort of a failing well you could you could do it like you you have you have reasons to do that i I could just do it for fun i suppose you could do it for fun you could do it for halloween you could do it as like a big entrance on some kind of internet trivia show i suppose so that'd be cool give me a great excuse to to wear some fishnet stockings that would be awesome actually (laughs) have to shave my legs you don't have to. I, I suppose not. Yeah, that's on you. I, I would want to shave my legs. You'd want to, if you're going to do something, you want to do it right. Yeah. I can appreciate that. Uh, yeah, everybody, welcome back to Rocky Horror Episode Zero, where we're discussing, exploring, analyzing, and introducing you to the prehistory of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, one of the great pop culture institutions of the 20th century. Uh, it is a film uh, which is very, very much steeped in a wide variety of cinema history. Uh, some of it, some of it, uh, uh, very, uh, risque and exciting and bold and some of it very conventional. And <laughs> we're going to be talking about that on this week's episode, because in order to fully understand the journey of Brad and Janet from uptight, ultra conservative, extremely mainstream, uh, suburbia, into the nightmare-fueled realm of Frankenfurter full of uh, sexuality that makes their heads spin, uh, you kind of need to understand what counterculture was counter to. Yeah. 
And there are perhaps no better films through which we can explore that than what the I, what my research insists that I call social guidance films, mm. but what we all know of as hygiene films. Hi- hygiene films, classroom films, industrial films, uh, educational films, they, they go by many names. Yeah, uh, These are <laughs> films that were actually uh, initially, uh, in many ways, uh, spearheaded by the American government, which wanted mm. to indoctrinate the American populace, particularly young people, uh, into the quote-unquote correct modes of behavior. And uh, specifically uh, in the post-war boom, like yeah. from from the late 40s through the, uh, well, gosh, for decades thereafter. Yeah, at the least 70s, the 60s, these things are very, very popular. In yeah, the 70s, um, we were still trickling in. Well, as, as, as late as the 80s, um, I think Red Asphalt came oh, out in the 80s. I guess that does qualify, yeah. yeah the Red uh, Asphalt was a notoriously grotesque video there's a scare film they showed in driver's ed classes yeah where it's basically oh so you don't want to you don't pay attention to driver's ed class Mm. you don't want to wear your seatbelt here is actual footage of corpses in who who, in 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 driving accidents died in driving accidents yeah it's grim yeah it's very very grim so yeah the the legacy of these continues mm. a lot but when we think of them we tend to think of the heyday and i think a big part of the reason why we think of this as the heyday the 40s 50s 60s is because these videos, which were or, or films actually, they were on you know film strips. They would be they would wheel out the 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 projector in a classroom and actually uh, project them. Correction: the first red asphalt film. There were five in the cycle. Uh-huh. Uh, came out in 1964. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I, I knew they were earlier than that. Red know. Asphalt three was 89. However, uh, I think that's the one I brush up against. And it's in why my, was it important youth. to update that? It was also one in 98 and another one in 2006. Red wow. Asphalt. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess there was a market. Jesus mm. Christ. Um, because you want to make sure that in this horrifying car crash video, the cars are up to date, I guess. I don't understand. I think the audience gets the gist. Jesus Christ. Um, but in any case, yeah, so these are videos and they, they were about a variety of topics. They were mostly nonfiction in their intent, whether or not the content was actually nonfiction is We'll talk about that. Uh, but, uh, and they were things like, um, here's the importance of a skill that you can learn and you can help America by doing mm. the skill. Here's the importance of, a... of learning music because music helps us. You should pay attention to music class. It, and it here's why the, it's important uh... not to cheat on a test. It was the it helps America angle mm-hmm. that was most pervasive throughout these industrial movies. There's, a, there's an absolute unapologetic propagandistic streak here this is oh, yeah flat out propaganda o- openly brazenly propaganda yeah the 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 image of america that stuff like rocky horror picture show is trying to fight mm-hmm. uh is the and, image and that these still trying to fight and is day, the image yeah. that these the then yeah you hear about people like certain presidents talking about how they want to like go back to this kind of mm-hmm. shit like the the image of this particular vision of America, this particular vision of America is it it never really existed. Maybe in patches, but um, like it it's being forced down our throats and being presented as not only what's normal, which it is, but not not that it is, but which is presented as being normal. Mm-hmm. But it is also presented as the ideal form of America, yeah, th- this, which uh, can be very confusing to young minds. Po- Post war American. Uh, suburbia occupied by uh 
clean white families, very nu- white nuclear families, families yeah. uh, always white kids in these short films. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no drugs. Unless they're unless they're the most horrible things in the world. Yeah, if, if they're, they acknowledge that drugs exist and they're horrendous, you yeah. don't want to touch them. The second you touch um, them, you go to hell, basically. Yeah. And we'll uh, talk about one of those later on. There's no gay people. If you see them, they are monsters who lurk in the shadows. Yeah. And they want to get you. Yeah, it's there's the, a, yeah. there's a video you, I'd never seen before mm. that you that you put out. Whitney mm. curated this list of hygiene films because <laughs> he really wanted to, and yeah. um, and I'd never seen one of these videos before, and it is yeah. really Boys Beware is really notorious. And, yeah, and I, I wanted to talk about Boys, Boys Beware because of its notoriety, and I think it's I think it absolutely mm. influences uh, mm. at least the attitude of it influences rocky horror in a lot of ways yeah 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 Yeah. um uh yeah the uh if you express uh and two two of these shorts were featured on mystery science theater 3000 Mm -hmm. uh and and they're excellent shorts on mystery science theater because there's just so much to riff on they're very very funny um, everyone in it everything in it is mostly punching upward you know just like this everyone telling you how to live and that a woman's Mm -hmm. place is in the home and you just you want to you can't let that go unheckled. Exactly. You have to heckle that. So, <laughs> you have to at least go boo. Well, one of one of Crow's lines is, uh, you know, here's here's how to dress. Here's how to take care of your body. I, maybe you can start with body care and grooming if you like. It's the longest of sh- the shorts. Um, sure. Why not? Um, okay, let's talk about. Hold on, because I have a clip. Let's talk about body care and grooming. They're cops. <laughs> What's the matter? Exam week getting you down. What you need is to put down that notebook and take in some of the beauties of nature. See what I mean? But wait a minute, young lady. How did you get into this picture? You see, we're trying to prove a point about nature and beauty, and you're not exactly helping, you know. Look at your hair. Look at that blouse. And the way that skirt hangs. And those socks. Sorry, there must have been a mistake. You don't seem to be exactly the type to make this guy behave like a human being. Okay. Check your teeth. Wash your skin. Be sure to scrub. At the end of a perfect day, an entire day spent grooming. Yeah, uh, body care and grooming is about, uh, uh, it's about good, it's not just about good physical health. It is about that. It's about the importance of showering all the way, keeping your hands washed, don't forget to brush your teeth. Things that theoretically your parents should have been like instilling within you from yeah, when you were kindergarten, a, a, yeah. before kindergarten, like wash your <laughs> damn hands, okay? Um, but it's also about the importance of looking the way we want you it's, to look. It's, it's a, yeah, it's about fitting into a very specific fashion aesthetic. Yeah. Whatever and, you, there's a whole section and it, it's about how like, uh, yeah, dressing comfortably is important yeah. as is dressing for the occasion. If you dress in a way that stands out, you're guaranteed to be mm. uncomfortable. And I'm like, wear whatever the fuck fuck you want what the shit what's <laughs> the matter with this and the the example they show in in body care and grooming is a woman she's wearing a, a it's sort of like a sequin top and she's got a, a shorter skirt on and high-heeled shoes and, and, she's a, and pearls she's wearing like pearls like yeah, more jewelry denim. than others she, she's she's a little bit glam 
Yeah, she, she dressed up a little bit as if yeah. he was going like out on a date after class. But uh, she's kind of shifting in her seat and making these faces and her high-heeled shoe falls off and she's yeah. pulling her skirt down. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. I think the problem is you you didn't get clothes that fit. <laughs> that's what it looks suppose, like. Or, it may, looks or, like may, you, or maybe that's what you chose, but you know, you, yeah. you didn't wear this for a classroom. You just yeah. wore it to look nice. Yeah, you can, Or because you wanted to. Who cares? Who but, gives uh, a shit? Exactly. But uh, yeah, the, the point of this film is if you look that way, and that is, you're not wearing a skirt that's a little below the knee. Uh-huh. You're not wearing a slip or uh, mm. and stockings and a certain mm. kind of shoes. If you're not wearing a button front shirt with a collar and your hair is up out of your your face, then you are doomed to awkward misery. And not only awkward misery, you're doomed to loneliness. The movie opens. <laughs> the movie opens with all of these shots, and I don't know where they filmed that. Part was, of me thinks it was like, in uh, Ithaca, New York. Was it in Ithaca, New York? Yeah. Wow, good, good catch. <laughs> um, but the, the, the filming at some kind of college or industrial park, and it's about a bunch of young people walking mm-hmm. around with books in their arms, and uh, one guy looks sad, and the narrator's like, hey, buddy, what's the matter there, tiger? And <laughs> tests got you down? Well, let's find you a date. You're, Have you you're giving cons- away too much personality. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I, someone has to. <laughs> and the, so the couple of women are walking by. It's like, perhaps you could date one of these fine women who... Don't have any other reason to exist, I suppose. They're only here for your pleasure, asshole. A uh, little editorializing there. And then the, <laughs> and then the, the other, like, lady protagonist of uh, of the video um, walks by. Sadly, we don't have, like, the cast members. I don't know the name of no, these actors these, for these No, these people are lost to time, and they're probably happier that way. Uh, but a woman walks by, and her skirt's a little rumpled. She's not wearing fancy shoes. Her hair is done a little different. It she doesn't look like she just emerged from like an Oscar the Grouch trash can. She just looks like her, she like her, her clothing is a little rumpled. Yeah, and her honest, hair is messy. And honestly, if you if you she she did sort of a <clears throat> like a really quick adjustment, she wouldn't look mm. like she 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 would look like everyone else actually yeah. but in any case, the narrator actually says, "Uh, excuse me." Oh god, this is so sick. <laughs> Uh, we're trying to prove a point and, uh, about, about beauty and nature. Uh, about, about beauty, and you're not helping. You're not the kind of person who could help this man act like a human being. <laughs> oh my fucking god! I have to laugh because it's just so it's terrible. horrendous. And then again, and in, these in, were... the mystery, in the mystery science theater short, they actually just out and say it. And Joel yells out, "You know, to grope you and paw at you." It's like this is what behave like a human being. What is he supposed to be doing? Yeah, I, it, it's 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 vile. supposed to be ha- harassing her. That's that's yeah. what this film you're, is implying. You're, you're supposed to, as especially as a woman, they don't talk about this for men, but in this short, they say that women hmm. are need have a requirement to look not just attractive but to look like everyone else yeah otherwise men might not look at you and then your life will be miserable and that's a grotesque thing to say mm. and it's really upsetting and i didn't see any of the shorts that we're talking about here in classrooms i actually did see a few Old school hygiene films in classrooms. I honestly don't recall which ones, but I do remember them wheeling out the the, the film strips on a few occasions. There was one in biology class, which was fine, actually. It was just about, you know, the human heart. It's kind of like that video they showed in the Gremlins. 
Oh, it's just a heart valve. Yeah. That kind of okay. thing. But it was clearly older, but mm. the information, I guess, was still relevant. We got some uh, We got some pretty hip new sex ed videos. Oh, I re- oh um, yeah, I remember in, sex in, ed in like, video, yeah. In like sixth grade, they got oh, us some like, like really hip sex ed videos. And we were... What a, what a and, horrible day that was. And we were told, like, they separated the boys and the girls because yeah. we're 11 years old and we're not mature without sort of yeah. snickering. Yeah. And they, they actually said, okay, we're going to sit you down. We're going to show you sex ed films. You are not allowed to snicker or make any one wise comments because we know you're going to do it. And we did. We dutifully, dutifully sat, and they were actually pretty tasteful right. for at least they seemed so at the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't think we got any like class, and we got some like uh, videos about bulimia. Uh, later, oh yeah, I think we got school. we got we, uh, eating um, disorders were very very much in the news. When mm. uh, like like they were when like we were, you and I were they were school. they were the thing everyone was talking about that always that obviously always been around. And so yeah, I got one or two of those too. Mm. Um. But in any case, I didn't see this one, but I'm picturing, I'm, I'm watching this video, and again, you watch it with the MST3K track, and it's funny, you watch it without, and you're just sitting there absorbing the awful messaging, and I'm thinking about the young people, probably younger than they're depicted in this film, mm-hmm. because the information depicted in this film is very rudimentary, about, you know... Hey, here's what skin is. And yeah, how, here's how wash, you wash your hair. Yeah, yeah, this is here's you should wash your hair at least once every two weeks. And that was like feels like a little, little long to wait. But <laughs> anyway, um, well, maybe you want your natural oils. You want your hair. I, to I'm fall not in saying a you do way. it every single day. I always felt like two weeks seemed like a long time to me. But what do I know? Anyway. Um, but I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about all these like young people just sitting there watching this video and I'm sure a lot of them were rolling their eyes. I'm also sure even, a lo- it, this film came out in 1947. It was shown for the next 20 years. Yeah. And even in 1947, I'm sure there were students. I'm sure there were. I'm sure there were a lot of people who just rejected all this crap and it was just like, I've got to watch a video. I'm going to do doodles in my thing or write notes or who cares. But I also know that young people can be very impressionable and mm-hmm. this kind of direct messaging about how you're supposed to be. It'll, is, it'll be absorbed even if you're rolling around. Yeah, it, it's it's being affirmed in the environment in no uncertain terms. This is what you do. This is how life is. This is what is required of you to survive in society. Mm. It's a horror show <laughs> what is it and 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 this one and again this one seems like it's relatively harmless but it's like all these moments like they're relatively harmless things so it's just like you don't forget to shower in the morning mm-hmm. well yeah so like that kind of thing i'm not going to mm-hmm. argue with but because that is so obvious because that is so inescapably obvious mm-hmm. all the things in it that are clearly designed to uh, 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 impress upon us the idea of normality those are being treated as obvious too like whatever you do don't dye your hair yeah don't look different mm. don't you dare control your appearance it's like what is it to you man <laughs> what do you what's in this for yeah, you this, what do this, you got i mean the, the the late 40s and the early 50s right after world war ii was just that that was sort of the bedrock of a lot of american conservatism yeah what we think of as the modern modern conservative party started then mm. and uh in fact the whole idea of like the christian evangelical is a relatively new creation in this country in its current uh, form yeah. in, in in how we think of it um there's a really great documentary film called lake of fire yeah, yeah. which is about uh abortion yeah and 
uh, specifically abortion in America and the this weird political uproar that has sort of driven the entire conversation. And what goes hand hand in hand with that is this rise of the uh, Christian conservative evangelical movement yeah. in America. Yeah, about how like you can kind of. You know, that's like the one thing that everyone in that group can rally behind. Mm-hmm. And then everything else you can be kind of, you you can kind of stray from certain values yeah. very easily as long yeah, as so, you keep that as like the one thing you can all agree on. And it gets really weird. But you, you can analyze sort of where we are right now all you like uh, and, you know, to great sociological extent. But in order to really understand it, you have to come back and you have to watch the most boring entertainments, not even entertainments, educational films, uh, like body care and grooming. This is what the attitude was. Yeah. This was what the teachers were hoping to impart to the students. I imagine there were groovy campuses who wouldn't show films like this, mm-hmm. or maybe they, they had to, but the teacher would say, this is all BS, go make yeah. out in the back, you know, well, r- write a paper. Probably shouldn't, probably shouldn't say that. Okay, don't, don't go make out in the back. Yeah, that's probably, I, I was, I get I was, in trouble for that, yeah. I, I was picturing a college classroom, but still they get in trouble for that. Um, just, you know, write, read, don't pay attention to the film, yeah, or they're going to show it. We'll show it without sound. This is on the syllabus, uh, that's required, mm. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, at, at the time, this was what uh, the government mm-hmm. wanted its citizens to behave like. And this was a sign of triumph. Mm-hmm. This was a sign that America had bested other nations. Mm-hmm. This was a sign that we were ahead in the world, that we had well-behaved citizens. We had clean citizens. We had, cl- yeah. we had people who dressed alike the way that the government wants them to they, dress. They were wealthy. It's a there feather was, in the cap. There was nothing wrong with our families or our homes. There nothing was nothing wrong with our no. students. And no. they all behaved the same way. We were easy to, to pin down. Yeah. It was a great time to be alive if you were between a certain age, white, male, heterosexual. Yeah, and if you were anyone else or even just in that group mm. and unhappy, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, it's... And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and even if you were a white, male, heterosexual of a certain age and you didn't like it, then you are yeah. also yeah. be gone. You're part of the problem. Get away. And then we'll do a video about why if, you're the worst. If, if you were impoverished, if yeah. you weren't white, if you were gay, no, you're, you're, not, right. you're not allowed. Body care and grooming is actually, uh, of the videos that we have on this list, is actually one of the more ambitious videos from a technical perspective. There's a lot like of different setups. And there's, yeah. yeah, there's animation. There's a lot of uh, technical bits. There's attempts at humor, which is more than I think any of these others even try for. Yeah, the other ones are really bland. Yeah. Or, or bland. just or grim or bleak yeah. yeah um but uh and also also i was actually surprised um because the again this is one of those shorts i was introduced to this one and the next one we're going to cover on mystery science theater 3000 and those shorts were added to mystery science theater a because they're rife for comedic possibility uh, but b because they needed them for time mst3k had to fit in a two-hour time slot with commercials mm-hmm. if the movies they covered were short which a lot of them were they were like old b movies from the 50s and were barely more than an hour um they had to fill time so they would add one of these shorts and sometimes the shorts were too long so actually if you watch the full complete body care and grooming video there's like an added section Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not too long, like three, maybe four minutes, but it's about your feet. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget. Put, put powder on your feet. Don't forget every day. You well, you put know powder what? on your feet. That that's, here's the thing about body care and grooming. A lot of it is actually practical advice. Well, that's my point. Exactly. Yeah. Because some of it is so really practical and straightforward. 
Hmm. You might miss the fact that they're also selling you another bill of goods that is not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a, so that's the one about taking care of your body, presenting yourself hmm. uh, to the world the way that these videos want you to. Now let's talk about your career. And because it's the 1940s and 1950s, uh, your career is one thing if you're a boy and one thing if you're a girl. And those are our only concepts of gender in these things. So that's as far as that's going to go. Uh, so we have two videos. So, so pick, pick, first of all, picture Brad and Janet. Yeah. The, the, this, the, so the, They're what, absolutely Brad got to watch one film and Janet yeah. got to watch the other film. Yeah, so Brad got to watch a film called Why Study Industrial Arts, the manly subject in yeah. school, and Janet got to watch a video called Why Study Home Economics, because the most important job is to be a homemaker. Both of these films directed by master filmmaker Herc Harvey. Herc who, Harvey. Who would go on to make Carnival of Souls, which is one, one of, of the, the best, best horror movies ever made. Seriously, one of the best <laughs> horror movies ever made. Herc Harvey also directed a film that, if you're familiar with MST3K, you might know of, called Cheating, which mm. is also a horror movie about a kid who <laughs> cheats on a, on a test, gets caught, and is waiting for, like, the sort of Damocles to fall on his head, it's like, and it's like this darkly lit room, no parents, the heads of those he's wronged floating <laughs> up at him and judging him. It's really really Kafka-esque and German expressionist and weird. With the w wonderful comments on Mystery Science Theater. Well, I'll just go write some nocturnes. <laughs> um, so both of these both of these shorts, uh, which by the way, let's, let's hear a little clip from uh, Why Study Industrial Arts. We'll cover that one first. Hey Joe, come on after basketball practice. Okay, but wait till I finish cleaning up here. Hey, you making this? Mm-hmm. You know, this looks as good as furniture you'd buy in a store. It ought to. It's taken me long enough to make it. Kind of slow, huh? Yeah, but I've learned enough in making this one that I could probably make another in about half the time. How you like this shop, course, Joe? I like it swell. Why? Well, uh, didn't you ever wonder what good you'd get out of a course like this? Yeah, I did. As a matter of fact, I went to Mr. Barnes, the shop teacher, and asked him about it. He said that with the large amount of construction work that goes on... Today, with the large amount of construction work that's taking place in our country's expansion, we need many more young men who are trained to design our future. We'll need architects, designers, and draftsmen. Cool. <laughs> Why Study Industrial Arts is uh, has a framing device just like... Uh, why study home economics, economics which yeah, is they're, about they're the same. They're the, they're they're pairs, which is what this is why I yeah. chose both no, of these. They're, I think they're important. And they're good mm -hmm. counterpoints. Uh, they are they all are about, are about uh, teens who don't understand why there are various electives in school, not the ones that you're everyone's required to take mm -hmm. English, math, whatever, but the ones that you opt into. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the value of these classes, and so they ask their friends. And their, their friends their ask teachers. their teachers. No, no. They ask their friends, and then all their right. friends ask their teachers. So we're playing a game of telephone with all of this stuff. <laughs> because let me tell you something. We all know what you kids talk about, okay, when school is over. You talk about why study industrial arts. And, you're, and you might not have the answer to this. So we're going to, we assume you'll talk to your teachers, and your teachers will give you a big lecture, and you'll be riveted the entire time. So uh, we'll just do this for you, and we'll, you'll talk to your shop teacher. And when your shop teacher is done, we'll talk to your gym teacher. He cares about industrial arts, too. He's a man. And um, it opens with a sequence that's just this guy, and he looks just like Brad. He's got the same glasses. 
And you, well, I mean, I don't know how many of these films made their way over to England, and these things were all over the world. But yeah, the way. this oh, yeah, wasn't a, a strictly American phenomenon. Yeah, these kinds of here's our national character, here's what the young people need to do, here's how to behave. These were world worldwide. Yeah. Um. But I'm willing to bet that. While getting high in a theater one night, uh-huh. some enterprising uh, theater owner decided to throw these out for like the midnight crowd sure. that Richard O'Brien was a part of. Probably. So he was probably familiar with a lot well, of the psychonography. Also, also you got to remember that a lot of the people who worked on these would end up working on other kinds of films. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a bit of a crossover crowd. That's how Herc Harvey ended up doing Carnival of Souls. Hey, you know how to direct. We want to make a cheap horror movie. Mm-hmm. Boom. Um, so, uh, so it opens with... Brad, basically. Uh, and it's just a close-up on him. You know, I like industrial arts. I like the sound of a chisel. Chisel, chisel, chisel. The first line like is, is, you know, it's fun to have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the idea is, because industrial arts, we don't know what we're referring to specifically. We're talking about shop class. We're talking about woodworking. We're talking about metalworking. We're talking about building things, fixing things. And that's a practical skill. There's, I'm not decrying that skill at all. Well, I'm bad I, at it, but I admire people who are good at it. And I wonder how common that is in high school still. I know... Uh, we, uh, we, we would never in my high school have trusted anybody with a buzzsaw. We, we not did a have, million years we did have my an high school been okay an industrial with industrial arts class at Venice High School here in, in Venice, California. And it was... It was considered like the realm of like the, the dropouts, like yeah. at risk kids. Yeah. Uh, the, among the student body, it's like, Oh, you're, you're in shop class. Oh gosh. Like how many classes have you failed now that you have to take shop? And maybe it had that it was, stigma uh, all the way back when this movie was being it's made. That might've possible. been something they were concerned about. Yeah, but the thing is that the kids who emerged from shop class, it's like, Oh yeah, I built a new car. And like they, they actually had skill. some great know-how. That's, a, that's, that's really cool. There, and, there and was again, a joke in, yeah. in the movie, idle hands where the shop kids, uh, built like a, a bong that you strapped onto your back and you had to activate yeah, with a yeah. ripcord. Uh, I don't ex- exactly sure how it works, but mm. uh, that kind of stuff was being built in, on high school campuses. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if it's still really common. I don't know if kids mm. are learning shop, if kids get nail guns, or if, if that's sort of fallen by the wayside in the yeah. modern era. It was, it was at least active as late as the 90s. Yeah. But uh, um, but yeah. but but it opens with this ASMR mm-hmm. basic sequence where it's mm-hmm. basically just this guy softly cooing into your ear. I really about, love, like D- David Lynch. I really love sawing pine. Yeah, and then you would hear the sawing of pine, and you'd watch the sawing of pine, and you'd hear chiseling, mm-hmm. and you'd hear sanding, and there's something kind of zen about it. And you're thinking to yourself. Maybe I should study industrial arts. This seems pretty cool. And then uh, class is over and a guy comes in. Oh, hey, hey, Brad, or whatever the fuck his name is. Hey, Brad, what you doing here? I'm just making this table. Oh, wow, that's a good table. That's really good. You should feel really great about yourself and everything you do because you study industrial arts. And Brad's like, thanks, man. I am studying industrial arts. Should I study industrial arts? That's a good question. Let me tell you about everything my teacher said secondhand instead of just cutting to him like a normal movie. And so we cut to him listening to his teacher while his teacher explains why industrial arts are useful. And be and all of their justifications are pretty sound because it's just about like, listen, useful to know how to make stuff if you want to go into the industrial arts industries having a background in making (laughs) stuff could give you a leg up couldn't it that would be effective and And i'm like 
Yeah, I don't know why this needs a whole movie, but yeah. But they also have some practical considerations. Like, let's say you're a home buyer. You'd be able to recognize shoddy carpentry. But that's the thing. After we talk to the industrial arts guy, they say like, well, what if I don't want to do that? What Mm -hmm. if I go into business or they never think of anything like art? What if I go into the theater program? You won't. Like, no. (laughs) Theater? My monocle. (laughs) We don't offer that. We have buzz saws and gym. Uh, But uh, if that was the case... And uh, uh, we didn't end up going into, you know, the metallurgy industry. What good would that be? And it's like, you use shit all the time. Stuff breaks. You got to yeah. fix it yourself. Yeah, often. it saves money to fix it yourself. If you're buying a house, you'll understand a little bit more about carpentry and whether the house is good. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. th- this this is all absurd in its presentation. But the actual argument is not unsound in this one. The idea, though, and this goes back to body care and grooming, is that yeah. if, if you're a young man in high school yeah. and you, you're you looking forward to your future, yeah. what sort of future do you have? Manufacture. Yeah. Factories, building, engineering, yeah. things with your hands, this very technically oriented skills. Yeah. And, of course, everyone around you is extremely interested in you pursuing these goals. You will have things to talk about. You will be the center of the conversation. Mm. Your teachers will take an interest in you. If so you study a, industrial, a so well, that's the, yeah. that's what makes this one particularly uh, th- that and the contrast with home economics. But this one could be seen as pretty straightforward and not very uh, propagandistic, except for I guess trying to get kids to take shop and who cares? Well, but the, like, but the but the line of dialogue they have exactly. is this is because uh, America is changing, mm-hmm. America is building, America is. Reaching this new plane, we're going to need a lot of these engineers. It's, for it, America. For America. And it has this weird twinge of manifest destiny about yeah, it. exactly. Like, this is how our colonialism is going to continue. It's all the tone. Yeah. It's all in the inflection of it. Mm. Because it could just be industrial arts are neat. And I would be fine with that. You could do... It's like those videos. They used to show industrial videos on Sesame Street. Mm. And it would be like, here's how canning works at the Dole Pineapple Factory. and But there wasn't like a thing where it's like, and if you're a good American, you'll work at the Dole Pineapple. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. It just showed you the canning stuff. And that was kind of interesting. And it makes you interested in that without giving you this weird, insidious, mm. wormy, <laughs> nationalistic, you know, yeah, undermining, un- a subversive cell. You know, it's weird. I feel like a lot of that get that get a good blue collar job in a factory message uh, was real. It was satirized really heavily in the eighties when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I I can't think of how many films I saw that were. About how the dad of like the family in a show had some sort of blue collar job, but it was at some like absurd kind of factory. Like mm-hmm. a weird Al had a bit where he was at a nasal decongestant factory and he, right. he was a product tester and he was just squirting things up his nose all day until he yeah. passed out. Uh, I, I saw a film just recently. It's on Amazon. It's called Meet the Hollowheads. Where had this film been all my life? Uh, it was I made in 1989. It had John Glover in it as the dad of this like nuclear family who lives in an underground home. And they have all these weird tubes and pipes a la Brazil going into their home. Is it and a Paul of, Bartel movie? It, it, it feels real, like super Paul Bartel. It's okay. not, but it, it has John Glover in it. Uh, uh, Bob Goldthwait has a cameo in it. It was um, Anne Ramsey's last film. And uh, yeah, it was about how these like very square 50s uh, nuclear family, but they were living in this weird twisted world where there's like worms crawl, crawling through pipes. And they have eyeballs and jars and stuff. Weird. 
Uh, look it up. It's, it's totally a trip. I will. That sounds amazing. But uh, by the time we got to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I think we had all accepted that this was complete bullshit. Uh-huh. This, like, get a blue-collar job and you'll be fine. It's yeah. like the, this... Ne- well, again, a, it, it never really existed, and if it did, it was only for a small group. Yeah. And it was one of the great lies yeah. that we live on in America. And a lot of the great lies that we live on are effective because there's a nugget of truth somewhere in there. Well, that industrial, you know, yeah. And the, that's the thing. The building idea is that, things are useful skills. Yeah, that's, yes. that's, that's, that's a, and like, yeah. I can go with that. I'm like, yeah, I can agree with that. Uh-huh. Yeah, cool. Okay. And you just slipped in nationalism. And I'm not sure how you even managed to do that. Like, that's just incredible. Mm. Um, the flip side of this is a short called why study home economics? Now, uh, as, as opposed to shop, mm-hmm. home ec is dead, but play the clip. <laughs> what are you taking? Well, I have to fill one science requirement in English, and I want to take home economics. Home economics? Why in the world do you want to take home ec? Why? Well, because that's something I'm going to need to know, and so are you. We have to learn sometime, Carol. I'm learning something about homemaking right now. Mother can teach us how to keep house and cook and sew and everything we'll need to get by on. But I don't want to just get by. If I'm going to be a homemaker the rest of my life, I want to know what I'm doing. So do I. But personally, I think it's a waste of time to take home ec. What can they teach you in home ec classes that you can't learn right here at home or pick up after you get married? Well, I don't know, but there's some things I'm sure. If you find out what it is, you tell me. All right, I will find out. Thank you. All right, sorry, jump, jumped ahead there. Uh, but yeah, home ec was well was very much dead by the time we were going to school. You know. I, I there was an option to take home ec in my junior high, but it was being phased out. Okay, much like uh, I was also the my junior high was so behind the times. We had uh, in addition to home ec, which is being phased out, and again the actual skills that were being presented in home economics they're not unuseful skills mm. but they were not really being taught in schools as much anymore uh I, my high, junior high school was also the last class i was in the last class of my junior high school that taught typing on typewriters oh nice so i learned how to type on a typewriter when you learn how to type on a typewriter you learn how to, you learn how to do it right because there's no backspace. You got you <laughs> learn how to do that right. I, I had computers at school, but I had a, I had a typewriter at home. So yeah, yeah. I, I kind of had a little of both. Uh, but yeah, home ec, uh, I, I remember seeing it in like 80s movies. People who were learning how to cook yeah. or wash clothes or fix, you know, basic home repair. Yeah. Uh, child rearing was yeah. part of it. And Budgeting. It was, these yeah, are exactly. very practical. I wish that some uh, yeah. of these skills were part of my curriculum. Because these are uh, things I'm not good at. Well, and and we like we let these kids, you know, they graduate high school. Some of some kids don't go to college; they yeah. just enter the workforce, well, and they don't have they don't necessarily know yet how to file taxes, yeah, uh, how to start a business, yeah, like all of these things, like actual and, practical. And skills. And whether you do go into a different kind of business altogether, you still live in a place. Yeah. You're still going to need to clean sometimes and do dishes and laundry and well, shit. And also, these are all uh, practical yeah, skills. How- I remember we had to do a project in senior year, and one was, you know, call a place, ask how much their pay is, and they actually had to, like, sit us down and say, okay, not all of that's, you know, this is going to be taken for taxes, here's how to budget, but they didn't actually have us do, like, accounting and budget sheets. Oh, God, I would have That would have really been so would... friggin' useful. Oh, my God, that should, that should absolutely, at least, yeah. I don't know where you... 
that should be taught in schools. That's such a yeah, practical yeah. life skill, and they don't so, handle it. It's ridiculous. So home economics, yeah. good idea. Good idea. <laughs> and I think they should bring it back. But but one of the issues that be, that that arose <laughs> with it but, was yeah. that it became enormously gendered, mm. and home economics was when even when I was a kid, it was the thing that it was the class you took because the world was very sexist. They it was for girls. That was the image of home economics. And in this video. They do clarify that some boys do take home economics. They give it one sentence and one image, and then they're gone. <laughs> because this is all about, it's about, uh, it opens with a girl, and she's uh, on her couch, and she's looking over her class, like, load for the next season, for the next season. Boy, next, I've, I've, next I've been season. podcasting for longer than I've been in school. Uh, that's not true, but it's getting there. Uh, but uh, she's looking over her, her classes and she's like, I don't know if I should take home economics. And her friend is her friend sits down to her and she says, why would you take home economics? You don't need to take home economics. Your mom can teach you stuff. You don't need to do that. And she's just like, well, I don't know. Maybe I should take home economics. Well, don't. Be cool. Don't take home economics. And she's like, well, I'm going to talk to a teacher. Well, if your teacher says something useful about home economics, you tell me. Because this is how kids talk. And so she goes to talk to her home economics teacher And the home economics teacher says Yeah, you, you could learn homemaking from your mom Or you could do it the right way hmm. And you could like not bother your mom with it And you can learn all about your home economics Because here are your options She lays out her future hmm. In this really Orwellian kind of way Here's your future You're gonna marry you're gonna, you're For, go First and foremost You're going to you're get going married to marry. You're gonna have kids It's gonna be These will be your responsibilities So you better be good at them If you don't get married Right away Yeah so You well, will the, eventually need these and, and she brings that up She's like well what if I don't get married And she says well yeah That's an option for you You might not want to get married right away Yeah that's See how she But just you'll still flip, Sort of flirt, you know, yeah. Slip that in there Yeah the, the right away is very important uh, yeah. Because you're going to want to conform eventually You're young I get it But you'll conform uh, Until then You will have a variety of options In uh, you're, you're, all of your all of your uh, uh, career options, mm -hmm. according to this video, will revolve around other homemakers. So you're going to need to do jobs like help homemakers do homemaking things, and work in like mm -hmm. nurseries and other things that will train you to be a better wife. Mm -hmm. Fuck off! Uh, yeah, <laughs> fuck off and, and again, so hard. They, they talk about like food buying, uh, looking yeah. out for certain kinds of ingredients. That's something that you could be taught in schools uh, again, today. Practical skills, a lot of practical skills. Yeah, to a really, quite frankly, unsavory end. Yeah, where uh, the, the men have to get blue collar jobs, being manufacturers, uh -huh. laborers, and the women marry those men. Which is, and here's the and, thing. And stay at home and raise their children. Here's the thing. Even that, the idea that men go to work and women stay home and take care of the kids, mm. even that is a relatively recent social construct. Mm. Men were involved <laughs> in like the child rearing and the homework for a long, long time. It wasn't until we had this weird kind of propaganda. And I think a lot of this, I honestly think a lot of, and I, I don't know how true this is, but this, mm. it's, a, it's something that really pops out at me. This video right here, Saying that a woman's job is in the home or doing womanly jobs before she goes to the home hmm. is coming right after World War II when a lot of men went overseas and a lot of women did jobs that were traditionally considered male oriented. Yeah. So a lot of men kind of came back and it was like, okay, but we want things the way they were. 
because mm. we're assholes. Well, it's like the we want to hit the reset button, but we want to hit it like extra hard. Yeah, we have, back, to, we, have we have to, to make really, sure that really we have just... to we have to come up with this like conservative fantasy of blue yeah. collar men and their housewives. Yeah, uh, as sort of the ideal of of American yeah. living. So this is this. The the future that is foretold mm. for young people in why study industrial arts and why study home economics is the future that Brad and Janet were looking forward to. And they were Completely very unquestioning, yeah. and they were very happy about it because yeah. they're like characters in movies like yeah. this. Uh, and they're really looking forward to it, and it's. Sad. Well, it's, it's, it's sad. The, the entire it well, and, and it actually is kind of satirizing the entire institution of marriage, mm. because it's arguing that marriage and getting a job is part of this sick American fantasy that doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the Rocky Horror Picture. Show. Yeah, of course, of course. And yeah. uh, and indeed, there's. There's a there's phoniness a to all of it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Brad and Janet, they uh, he, at the beginning of Rocky Horror, they're, in, they're at a wedding and they're like, oh, let's think about marriage ourselves. And mm. Brad proposes to Janet and then they go on their excursion where they meet transvestites from outer space. Yeah. And then there actually is a wedding where Frank marries Rocky, mm -hmm. where they walk down the aisle together. So it's almost yeah. like this dark parody of this sort of square institution that was seen as being very... Uh, dumb at the beginning yeah. of Rocky here. In fact, uh, during uh, Damn It Janet, if you recall, they wheel in a casket. Yeah. They go into the church and say, we're going to get married here, but they're preparing for a funeral, so we see a dead man in yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's and, not and it's a being, subtle visual and metaphor. And it's being wheeled in yeah. by Tim Curry or uh, Richard O'Brien and Pat Patricia Quinn yeah. uh, in like well, American Gothic drag. And I was actually going to bring that up because mm -hmm. that actual, that sequence right there and the fact that Tim Curry, Richard O'Brien, and uh, Patricia Quinn are in that sequence that's also an allusion to The Wizard of Oz, which we're not going to cover here because we just recently did it in episode zero for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But the idea that um, the characters from your old life will come back in mm -hmm. a sort of a transformed way as you go on this epic journey yeah. is very much, and that they're played by the same actors, is very much from Wizard of Oz. And indeed, there is a version of the of Rocky Horror that you can watch on the DVD. And it's my understanding this is one of the early ideas, but they decided not to do it. Um, it's black and white until the time warp. Hmm. So the whole movie is black and white. Everything is black and white, just like in, you would look at an industrial video or a Capra-esque kind of film. And then once the door opens and you see all of the dancers from the time warp and this huge gala colorful mm. party then it's in color that would be great because be great. then and you can and you can this is i think it's a special feature on one of the dvds they actually oh, aired yeah. this on tv a couple of times uh but uh yeah and that sort of cements it right home this is the lie mm. and this is reality whereas the ir irony in wizard of oz is it's actually the opposite mm. where this is reality because it's black and white and depressing it's the great depression in the in the in the dust bowl and now here's the fantasy mm. So, but here's when Rocky Horror, it's not really an escapist fantasy. It's a really confrontational fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's a deconstructionist fantasy. Yeah. They're trying to say, we, we're, there's like transvestites and, and gay people out in the world yeah. secretly having way more fun than you. Which brings us quite elegantly to our next <laughs> short, which is called Boys Beware. <laughs> oh, God. I'm Lieutenant Williams, a police officer attached to the juvenile division. I'm on my way to Monroe Junior High School to talk to a group of young people. That looks innocent enough, doesn't it? Lots of young people hitchhike, 
seems like a good way to get from one place to another. But sometimes there are dangers involved that never meet the eye. This is a very notorious film, yeah. uh, Boys Beware. Uh, this was made uh, in 1961, and it was uh, it was made in Inglewood, California, I think with the participation of the Inglewood police. Uh, they're actually, like, one of the uh, police or the narrator or whatever like that actually ended up becoming, like, the DA oh, for yeah, a while, yeah. yeah. So this was uh, a, a warning film presented yeah. by the police department, uh, directed at young boys, teenage boys, mm-hmm. high school boys. Uh, to look out for older men who would prey on them. Yeah. Again, practical advice. This is something you need to look out for. Yeah, pe- there are indeed people who uh, do prey on yeah, young there's... people. They're not exclusively older men no. or homosexuals. And also and... there aren't really, you know, it's not happening every single day. And it's and it's not. Which is ab- also a thing. It's also not spe- about sort of like crimes of kidnapping or, or sexual crimes. It's about the dangers of the men themselves, mm-hmm. specifically the homosexual man. Yeah, this is this is an anti-homosexuality mm-hmm. film, and yeah. this and, is and, and anti-queer propaganda. And, and it's of a, outwardly. It's, it's from a time when homosexuality was. I think it was still technically on the books as just being illegal mm-hmm. at the time. I don't have that in front of me, but it, if even if it wasn't, it was pretty. It would have been pretty recent that that had changed. Um, and there was, uh, you know, this is an anti-homosexual, this is a homophobic propaganda film mm-hmm. that is couched under the umbrella of protecting children. And it's another one of those things where everyone can point to it and go, well, of course we want to protect children. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing they used. There was that weird argument they used for why uh, trans people shouldn't be allowed to use the bathroom that corresponds mm-hmm. to their, it's because like, mm-hmm. oh, we have to protect children. Okay, you can't just throw that well, out and, there and, 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 us to, and now we agree with everything well, because then, you said it has and, to do with protecting and, and children. Your, your counter-argument is rather logically, that's absurd. Yeah. And they would shoot back at you saying, you don't want to protect children? Exactly. exactly. It's, it's, it's that so QAnon crap. It's yeah. like, oh no, there, there's like these child trafficking rings in the back of a pizza shop. You know, yeah. These insane conspiracy theories. Yeah. And you know, when you say, that's an insane conspiracy theory, they mm-hmm. say... Clearly, you support child trafficking, yeah. and you, and you listen to people who are experts in these things. I was just mm-hmm. hearing something on this on um, on the on NPR or one of those other like mm-hmm. you know talk radio stations. talk radio stations news stations. But uh, and they had like an expert on there, and they were talking about how the like ideas that these conspiracy theories present about the dangers towards children are so over the top that they actually do a major disservice because now people aren't aware of what the actual dangers look like and yeah, they don't look yeah. like this. They're, they're different most of the time. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real, real problem. So this film is about a police officer who is driving to give a lecture at a library. We never see this lecture, which is weird. And a part mm-hmm. of me likes to think it's about something completely different, yeah. but he's just like, you know, I was thinking about all of these Horrible things that have happened. And here's Billy. And Billy uh, was playing basketball with his friends at school. And on his way home, he decided to hitchhike. You know, like nine-year-olds do. And... It, it, was, more, it was commoner back in the day. It was, but mm-hmm. it still never thought it was, like, encouraged. But in any case... Uh, but then, like, an older man picks him up. And they form a friendship. And they spend more time together. And it's all about how... But Billy didn't know that this man had... 
a sickness. Mm. And it's, again, you can be against the horrors that people can inflict on children. Without completely scapegoating an entire way of being. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's so it's, gross what they're doing here. Well, because this isn't ultimately this isn't about protecting children from predatory people. Of course it's not. Yeah. Th- this is about condemning gay men. Yeah. Uh, because gay men have a sickness. And according to this, film. according to this film and the. I live in terror is, of a is, quote like that being taken out of excuse context. Excuse me, yeah, I'm, so, I'm yeah. so sorry. This, yeah. I'm, I'm, try, <laughs> really? I'm trying to say that what it, what this is thing yeah. is saying in context. Yeah, yeah. So let, let me <laughs> let me be sure. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a bisexual man. All right, yeah. I'm I'm not on board with any of this bullshit. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, but this film continues to argue and continues to vilify the gay man in arguing that they all have this proclivity. Yeah. That they're not just gay. But they they want to like snatch children from playgrounds. Yeah, they're monsters. They're, they're, they're according to this film. Yeah. According to this film. Yeah, uh, they're, they're gay men are treated like these horrendous criminal monsters who are just out to get you, and that's what that's what they're communicating to the yeah. audience. So regardless of whatever child safety thing, and the child safety thing is really basic. Don't talk mm. to strangers. Don't get in cars with strangers. Yeah, regardless yeah. of their intent, just don't do that. Mm. But this film is so much about creating this wave, this aura, this mm. absolute sense of fear. This, yeah, this mythos, essentially. Yeah, of, of how any form of homosexuality is tantamount to criminality. The idea is that anyone who feels these things, and the, the subtext here is even you in the mm. audience, if you're feeling any of these things, is bad. Mm. And that is some fucked up shit. That's all there is to it, basically. Mm. But you, again, you think about this attitude. This is something that would be presented by an authority figure, like by, a, by like the a cops, te- by a, by a police officer in a class doing a lecture, by a teacher, by a librarian. Someone is showing kids these videos. Mm. Okay, they're not seeking these things out for kicks. <laughs> all right, they're, these are shown to young people. And these are impressionable kids, and they're using scare tactics. Mm. Yep. The implication yep. is that there there is real violence and maybe even murder happening to these to these people in these films, and as a result, kids can learn things in a very binary way very easily. This bad, this good, mm. because especially in something like this, which doesn't care about anything else, it just yeah. really wants to present a homophobic message, mm. and it conveys that message in a grotesque irresponsible uneducated way mm. and again to bring this back to rocky horror where uh brad in particular but to a different extent janet are confronting uh uh basically their sexuality yeah the their sexuality time, yeah. and indeed the possibility that they might not be straight mm. the idea that they're wrestling with this and they're they're completely against this and that frank is viewed as you know, a demon. Mm. He is. He kills somebody, yeah. but regardless. <laughs> he commits cannibalism in the yeah, movie, he's, for God's He's sake. a bad person, but that's not because he's gay. That mm. has nothing to do well, with that. Well, bye. But anyway, you know. Man, whatever whatever Frank is. They're kind of they're kind of hazy on what Frank is. Frank um, is kind of everything. He's omni. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bye, pan, omni. Like, these are all yeah. kind of overlap. But uh, the... Uh, 
what I what I love one of the things I love about the Rocky Horror Picture Show is the way it takes those scare tactics from films like Boys Beware. Yeah, and I actually I also watched Girls Beware. Oh, um, I didn't know that was not on the syllabus. Or I it, it, it was not. I just you know it's another ten minutes short. I had a, a pair up, so I watched Girls Beware. But that was a, a, the same thing. It was about young uh, like high school girls beware older men. Oh yeah, it, it wasn't about predatory lesbians, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, which would have also been bad, but would have at least have been like like this weird like a like, flip side like of the a, coin, this, yeah, this yeah. mirror image thing. Um, yeah. But uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show takes this uh, rather bigoted perception of gay men that had been proliferating through the culture through films like, uh, not just through films like Boys Beware, but through all, all the popular media. Yeah. There, you know, there are a lot of films with gay characters who are always, uh, the gay characters were always treated like very demonic yeah. or, or, you know, very stereotyped. Yeah. Uh, go watch The Cellular Closet. Um, yeah. The, the documentary film from the 90s, The Cellular Closet, kind which, of lays it all down. We should probably just do on this show. We probably should. Yeah. yeah just the history of, of queer characters in cinema. Yeah. From, from its inception up until when the film was made in the mid-90s. Uh, Rocky Horror is taking all of those images and saying that, you know, okay... And, and turning them on ear, it's like, okay, we, we meet these sort of omnisexual, pansexual, bisexual, gay characters, uh, and they're space aliens. Like, they're not just, they're not just after you. They're like from another planet and they're yeah. just, they're throwing these weird parties all the time. But the curse is taken off of it because they're so fucking awesome. Yeah. Like Frank is the villain of the piece. He, like we said, yeah. he commits cannibalism and murders people. He's also awesome. But we love him. Yeah. He's <laughs> confident and sensual and funny and brilliant. He creates a person for God's sake. He, he seduces both Barry Bostwick and Susan Sarandon back yeah. to back. Yeah. <laughs> Takes a lot of doing. Yeah. <laughs> Good and for you, Frank. <laughs> um, Anyway, but uh, uh, to bring it back, though, because once Brad and Janet actually enter into Frank's domain and once they allow their minds to expand enough to consider other possibilities, they get into a state, which I think is uh, uh, typified by our last short, which is they become fallen. This is, is a this is a particular yeah. kind of scare tactic in a lot of these films where it's, it's not it just goes back to like reefer madness. Oh, and yeah. Stuff, oh, know? yeah. But the idea is that and this is and this goes back to like Christian parables and things where um, or, or where uh, if you do something bad, if you commit a sin, mm-hmm. you are doomed. You are marked. Yeah. And that is where we come to. The terrible truth. If anyone had ever told me a few years ago that we would ever read headlines like these in American newspapers, I would have called him crazy. Yet here we are reading them. In the middle of the 20th century in the United States of America, hundreds and hundreds of teenage boys and girls are becoming hopeless dope addicts every year. It's fantastic, it's unbelievable, and it's terrible, but it's true. The government maintains two hospitals just to treat drug addicts at Lexington, Kentucky and Fort Worth, Texas. It used to be a rare thing for a juvenile to be admitted, but look at these recent figures. And remember, these are only confirmed addicts who have come to the attention of federal authorities. How many others are still only occasional users of marijuana or heroin, morphine, or in some cases sleeping pills? It's pretty hard to estimate. But there's one sure thing. Nobody is going to stay an occasional user very long. This is one game nobody beats. 
If you use narcotics before long, you'll have the habit, about the hardest in the world to break. And the dope addicts say, you're hooked. And I, want, I chose this one because of that ironic title. Yeah. Uh, all of these scare films... Uh, all claim to blow the lid off of the underground. Yeah, or at least industrial arts. Yeah. Or industrial, no, I mean... <laughs> well, even then, it's just I'm like... you about you, scare films. But no, but, but yeah. I think that's even true even on, a, on like that really weird mm. micro way where it's just like, oh, you don't think you know about industrial arts? We're going to blow the lid off why industrial arts are going to change your life, son. <laughs> they are. That's the whole point is that they're supposed to reveal some important truth to you. That's the idea. They're being presented with such authority. I would love to see just sort of this parodic version. Why study industrial arts? Oh, man, you're going to get so many women. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to drive eight cars and you're going to build I your own see, mansion. I want to see like I want to see a video like this, but it's just like, why enter the gig economy? <laughs> why study the Uber arts? <laughs> why work one job when we, you can work five and make less <laughs> and never have a and have no retirement plans or insurance? <laughs> And you're not on any payroll, so you have to pay taxes at the end of the year. And if you lose your job, you don't get to go on, on unemployment. Hmm. The gig economy was is the promise of the future. I'm going to say something I don't get to say very often. Uh. Thanks, boomers. <laughs> Asses. Anyway, The Terrible Truth is a drug film. The Terrible Truth is about... Uh, uh, there's a presentation, and we're going to tell you about the horrors of drugs. And to do that, here is a fallen woman. Hmm. Who's going to tell her story. Yeah, she was hanging out with kids, and those kids were smoking the wacky tobacco. Oh, this reminds me of a of a scare film I forgot I watched in, in oh. school about smoking. Yeah, about yeah, smoking cigarettes. We they like interviewed people who had like lungs removed. Yeah, like, tracheotomies. It's like don't smoking. It yeah, ruined my life. Yeah, they got. They a show li- those to, to high school kids. Oh yeah, and and again, these films got a little less awkwardly produced. Mm. But they're still functionally the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and that's and again, that's another one whose message I don't disagree with. You shouldn't smoke. It's terrible. Here's the problem. <sighs> it's cool. <laughs> it's not cool. No, it's not cool. <laughs> don't don't Lung smoke cancer cigarettes. isn't cool. No, don't don't smoke cigarettes. Don't uh, even smoke cloves. No, don't don't do it. Just don't don't get into it. Don't try. Weed, on the other hand. <laughs> I have a much more loosey, I have a much more loosey goosey uh, relationship with. But anyway, uh, ed- ed- edibles. Edib- okay, yeah, don't fine. don't inhale the smoke. Either way, we're, either way, as responsible adults, we're not encouraging you. No, pregnant pause. Moving on. Uh, Look, terrible you, truth. You're, it, if you're listening to us, we assume you're wise enough to make your own decisions. Of course, and we assume you're making you're going to make good decisions. But it's, here's the thing: we're also like getting older, and we want to like not, you know accidentally espouse some really terrible messaging ourselves because we're talking right here about irresponsible messaging. Yeah. So we, well, we can have fun and play and we can like espouse like our own value system about things like marijuana. I also don't want to create an environment of like corruption of some kind. So (laughs) I'm just going to say this right now. I'm not going to judge, but I'm also, I don't feel like I should be actively encouraging anybody. Um, in any case, uh, this this movie, The Terrible Truth, is about a woman who tries marijuana and then immediately falls into heroin and marries a drug addict slash yeah. uh, dealer who then gets arrested. And then the only way for her to survive as a drug user is to start stealing and dealing drugs herself. And then she gets like thrown in the pokey and it's a whole thing. Mm. Because that's the only path you could possibly take from marijuana oh, is going yeah. straight to needles. The the idea of 
the gateway drug oh. is something that was heavily espoused well into our childhood. Oh, of the 80s and uh, 90s, yeah. I kept hearing about that a lot. We about finally started if, like not admitting that that was kind of bullshit. Well, the, I, the that if you uh, if you're going to like if you're using marijuana on the regular, uh, it's only a it's, matter of time. It's a, like you're eventually going to become interested in. Other drugs as well. Yeah, as opposed like, to just saying to yourself, I'm gonna go, fine. I'm going to go from marijuana to cocaine. Really? That seems like a 180, but all right. Yeah, but like, uh, and, and indeed, some people do do a lot of different kinds of drugs, indeed, and it's not and, healthy, but that's, it's not uh, like this guarantee of, where if you take one puff of marijuana, you're going to do heroin next week. It's yeah, not a thing. Th- this idea that uh, every single drug is, is possessed by like a few people, and uh-huh. you go to one guy and he just has everything, and you're uh-huh. going to be just surrounded by all drugs at all times, yeah. just because you want weed occasionally, is... Yeah. is the also the other thing that I've that have in my experience I've never seen, I hmm. uh, and I've and I've been to parties and things where people were like yeah and I'm like pass but thanks, uh, but like if you have like maybe people might pass around a joint okay back before we worried about COVID, but uh, if so someone you're, had you're talking about practices from your youth yeah, yeah. Uh, but if like if someone had cocaine, which okay. I've only ever you know been in close proximity to a couple of times. They're not giving it out for free. <laughs> that shit is expensive. They're hoarding it in a corner. They're what not the, giving uh, it out. What, what, it's not a, no one does that. I, I remember seeing a, a, an anti-cocaine PSA on yeah. television. Uh, that I, I, At the time, I thought, oh, that's effective. That's making me think about cocaine because they were talking about it in terms of price. Yeah. How much do, cocaine I, is expensive? Ah, the cat is on the table. Yeah. Luca? I know we moved to a different table when we podcast, but you don't get to jump up on the table, buddy. But they said, like, uh, this much cocaine is worth the same amount as a new car. And there was an animation of a car next, like, a uh, close-up of a mouth and nose. Uh-huh. And the car would drift under the nose, and they would snuff the car up their nose. Yeah. Which and is, like, and here's, a, again. Uh, and a, this uh, this much cocaine would cost as much as a luxury jet, and they'd sniff the jet up their nose. Yeah. And they said, why, why are you snorting up all this money? And it's this close-up of the nose and mouth, and then you see a tear run down the cheek. <laughs> I love so much <laughs> was, money. I, I, and it was nothing about, it's addictive, and no. it's going to ruin your, none of that. It's just, it's so fucking expensive. Mm-hmm. Don't waste the money. Jeez, there's yeah. cheaper ways to get thrills. You could have a plane right now. Yeah that, yeah, that sort of thing. If you saved up your money instead of buying all that cocaine, you can right. have a plane. Well, and again, and course, again, this. But what are you going to want to do on that plane? Some cocaine. And but again, though, the there's this is a video which is on the surface espousing something that's kind of a no brainer. Uh-huh. Uh Don't try. Definitely don't try hard drugs, mm-hmm. and because addiction is a real issue. That yeah, people yeah. deal with and struggle with and can affect people their entire lives and can really damage their health, can really damage uh, their finances, can land them in jail. Mm. These are real problems. And, and, and we have and a lot of different ways. Addiction legislation is very poor in this country. Very, very poor in this country. Uh, there are a lot of things that really shouldn't be a legal issue. They should be more of a health issue. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, it, it's a problem. And this is not tackling it very well because all this is saying is drugs are bad. Okay. Mm. If you do drugs, you will become the kind of cautionary tale we make these videos about. Mm. And kids, you don't want to be in these videos, do you? And the kid's like, oh God, no. I hate these videos. <laughs> these are awful. You, you'd think when like, you're gonna, we're going to watch a movie in class, you'd be all excited. And no, it's always about how drugs are bad and everyone's trying to attack us. Mm. And industrial arts are cool. I just wanted to write poetry. <laughs> now i got to take industrial arts. Mm. This. Womps. 
<laughs> now I'm taking industrial arts. <laughs> never been more miserable in my life. You know, it's yeah, horrible yeah. to have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Keats was right. Everything falls apart. <laughs> um, it, it's so, but you're talking about how, yes, there's, there's uh, a useful idea here. Don't, uh-huh. don't. Uh, to make, un- to make un- people understand. aware of the dangers of addiction. There, there's dangers and there's addiction. Maybe give them accurate information, one. Yeah. Uh, that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, secondly, these things are usually uh, just laughed out of the classroom uh, even as early as the early 60s because uh, oh. you look at something like Reefer Madness. Why is the, why is Reefer Madness the one we go to and not the cocaine fiends? They're the same film. Yeah. Well, I think because Reefer, the devil's weed, <laughs> marijuana, <laughs> as far as drugs go, ain't that bad now I, I wanted i wanted to, to uh, immediately amend that statement yeah i'm not encouraging anything here yeah but all things considered there's uh, a reason why it's becoming increasingly legal for recreational use it's because although you, inhaling smoke isn't good for your lungs other than that it's not that debilitating it's, it's, not, it's not that hu- habit forming it's detrimental to you. Yeah. it's, it's we, less we, detrimental than you know binge drinking yeah like dr- drinking is considered fine smoking cigarettes is considered Fine. Well, it's not. These things are highly discouraged by a lot of people. But like, regardless, like they're legal. Right. They're protected. It's considered okay to do that. That's a choice yeah. you make. And marijuana is not that much weirder a substance than either of those two. Mm. So going all out of your way to suggest that reefer will turn you into a homicidal maniac, yeah, or- is laughable to anyone who has any, any any experience with it well, or just information about it like yeah. actual practical information i include that marijuana. i include, yeah. that's why i said any any yeah. any experience <laughs> because that reading an actual factual pamphlet about it would mm. tell you that reefer madness is nonsense mm. reefer madness is hilarious yeah and- it's a hilariously over the top ludicrous fantasy film there's actually a really good if you love the rocky horror picture show and you haven't seen reefer madness the musical you absolutely should it's a delight they took the entire thing and they just set it to music. The music is good. The cast is good. It's got Alan Cumming and Kristen Bell. and It's fun. Hmm. Uh, it's a really, really uh, good double feature with Rocky John, Horror. Uh, John Cassier. Oh, yeah. Uh, play from, from, uh, from Tales of the Crypt. The yeah. Crypt Keeper, yeah, is, yeah. has a role in it. Yeah, it's, it's really good and I like it a lot. The original film is really laughable and kind of fun to watch, but only if you're high. That's the irony. I've, I've heard it said before that... Uh, the uh, the more ambitious the anti drug PSA, the more fun it'll be to watch when you're on drugs. That's almost exclusively <laughs> this, true. This, yeah. this was told me by somebody who did this on on the regular. I'm, yeah. I'm actually not a weak guy. I, yeah. I, I don't care. But yeah. uh, uh, this idea of I, I like that this idea of the fallen because that's what where the Rocky Horror Picture Show ends. Yeah, it ends with everyone with, came into contact yeah. with something outside mm-hmm. of their suburban, idyllic American norm, and they are forever changed by it. But uh, this film and all of all of the films we've really watched, and the, this is something the Rocky Horror Picture Show keys into, is the vilification of all vices. Yes, uh, you are not allowed to have any vices. Yeah. Uh, and a vice, by the way, is uh, sex and drugs, essentially. Basically um, variations on sex and drugs, uh, yeah. And not, not sex, uh, sex when money is involved, like uh, like pornography and well, sex, sex worker sex, sex outside vices. of Sex outside mm. of domestic wedlock. I suppose is considered so, yeah. what's, That's considered inappropriate. Anything mm. else. 
yeah. is in these in the realm of these kinds mm-hmm. of films is considered sinful. And what these films tend to say is that uh, all vices are essentially the same. Mm-hmm. It, they're all equally harmful, and you need to eschew every single vice. Yeah, uh, from some from heroin all the way to dressing a little differently. Yeah, like wearing a short skirt for God's sake is mm-hmm. is, is a bad as or not studying industrial arts. Exactly, <laughs> but that's true. Well, well, going into a different field, mm-hmm. not understanding that this is an important thing to do for the future of America as a man, as a, when Very you're a man or yeah. home ec if you're a, a, a woman. Yeah, and it's interesting when you think about how. All of these things that you just described mm-hmm. have, and again, it's it's called the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. A lot of horror, I find especially in cinema, but in general, uh, takes its cues from these kinds of mentalities. A lot of horror movies mm-hmm. are about some sort of sin or vice mm-hmm. that is met with some kind of ironic punishment, often dramatically outweighing the crime. Mm-hmm. My go-to example of this is The Hitcher. Mm. Which is a great movie, in which C. Thomas Howell is driving uh, to deliver a car, if memory serves. Mm. And he it's the middle of the night, and he sees a hitcher on the side of the road. And he pulls over, and if, I think it's like the first line of dialogue in the movie. just, my mom told me never to do this. And then he picks up Rucker Hauer, and Rucker Hauer immediately starts talking about things like, do you know the sound the human eyeball makes when you puncture it? <laughs> and you're just like, Jesus Christ! And then he like follows this kid throughout the desert and frames him for murder and kills everyone he ever comes in contact with. And the only sin the kid committed was picking up a hitchhiker. Mm. That's this kind of movie. Yeah. That's exactly what the terrible truth is. And then you look at the way that horror movies look at uh, stories of... Uh, sort of the, the what we consider the social horror movies, something mm-hmm. like uh, uh, the Stepford Wives or Get oh, Out, or even some anything with involving a cult like Midsommar or Wicker Man, where you realize that you conform or you die. Yeah, and yeah. that's something that is absolutely ingrained within our consciousness. We have internalized well, it, it, these it, kinds of stories mm-hmm. as bad, and and consider even uh, taking this uh, even a step further. Consider uh, the Puritan. Pur- Puritan morality we see in slasher movies. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. yeah. Where where uh, a lot of people have openly noticed that uh, the filmmakers put in sex scenes because they just wanted some prurience in their movie. They just yeah. wanted uh, some young actors to yeah. take their clothes off. Yeah, most uh, uh, I can't say this for all of them, but yeah. a lot of the filmmakers I've heard yeah, yeah. talk about this issue say like, no, we weren't creating these like weird conservative morality tales, mm-hmm. but it did kind of end up that way. Yeah, like they were actually trying to make an exploitation movie. Yeah. Like very, very openly. Sean Cunningham has been very frank about this sort of thing. He's the producer of Friday the 13th. Uh, and, but because these people were having sex, they were in a vulnerable position, and that's when the killer would come in yeah. and murder them. Look that's at Psycho. Jason Psycho would, yeah, the scary scene in Psycho isn't, it's not because uh, Janet Lee is naked, it's because she's in a shower. Mm. She's cornered, she's vulnerable, she's not, she thinks she's alone. Mm. And so to be attacked in that moment is especially frightening for the audience because we don't feel safe mm. in a place where normally we feel very and, safe. And, and that's that's what the uh, the filmmakers were going for. But yeah. what ended up coming out of the end of that thing was if you end up having premarital sex or if you're dr- too drunk or if you're doing drugs and having mm. having a party, you're not going to notice that this killer is out to get you. And you start yeah. to notice that the kids who are committing vices are the ones getting killed, mm-hmm. whereas the innocent characters, the yeah. quote innocent, I put, it, put yeah. that in air quotes, are the ones who are living. Either because of some moralistic tone, maybe mm. the killer has a, has a grudge, 
or just because the films are arguing that if you're not distracted by these things, your survival instincts are better and you're yeah, better and equipped to survive in society, which is also that's also a li- there. That's also a little bit of practical advice, you know. Yeah, to an hey, extent. If, if you're yeah. going to a, a scary place and there's a killer about, you're going to want your wits who, about you. Don't get drunk. Who's the only babysitter who survives in Halloween? The one who's a good babysitter. Mm. <laughs> the one the who one looks, actually, a, looks after the kids. Yeah, that's that's actually true. That uh-huh. is a thing. So. Anyway, those are, that's, that's obviously, there's dozens upon dozens, probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of hygiene films of various oh God, kinds. Yes, yeah. um, and again, you'll get a really good cross-section of this if you just incidentally watch Mystery Science Theater 3000. There's a million from that alone we could have picked. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm particularly fond of the, and, and this feels like it's in the DNA of Rocky Horror somewhere, uh, the Mr. B. Natural is uh, a very <laughs> a very confused. I'm the spirit film. of laughter and music. Yeah. Knew your father, I did. Yeah, you leave, you leave my father out of this. Um, <laughs> uh, that's that is of course a classic. Um, but uh, there's there's a million of these things. You look mm. up you look up the filmography of Herc Harvey. You're gonna find a lot of films with a lot mm. of titles that just. That just sounds stupid. Like, and a lot of them were written by the same people too. Like, people made this this like a career for many decades. Mm. So, like Herc Harvey, you can see some more of a uh, pork the meal with a squeal. <laughs> he made that after Carnival of Souls, <laughs> Operation Grass Killer, mm. exchanging greetings and introductions, the innocent party. Mm. What about prejudice? What about school spirit? What about alcoholism? Uh, the gossip. Uh, George tackles the land, caring for your toys. I, I just picture a guy like throwing himself against the ground. <laughs> <laughs> a citizen makes a decision. Health, your cleanliness. Hmm. Health, your posture. Responsibility. Street safety is your problem. And buying food. Buying food. Yeah, I guess they didn't have a lot of faith in us back then. <laughs> I don't know how to buy food. Herc, Herc, please, for the love of God, help me out here. I know how to buy food. Herc's like, oh, this is a problem a lot of people probably have. I should make a film. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to episode zero this week where we talked about uh, hygiene films. Um, and again, we talked about the the ones that probably influenced Rocky Horror, and there's a million others. Yeah, well, and... and yeah. the- the, uh, of all the ones of the topics we covered, there are like a dozen each oh, yeah. that could easily have replaced these. Uh, they speak to uh, an America, like a conservative America that didn't exist and that we're still trying to deconstruct. Yeah. And that the Rocky Horror Picture Show was very directly attacking uh, and are, have kind of insidiously become part of the American consciousness. Yeah. Uh, and and ha- we're fighting it right now. And we're fighting it now. And it doesn't just come from these classroom films. It actually leaked into popular entertainment all the time, mm-hmm. we talk rather frequently about how a live-action Walt Disney Pictures yeah. also sold this kind of fake, comforting suburban America. Mm-hmm. This this bland world where there's no conflict. A lot of sitcoms from the 50s. Not, not all of them, but a lot of them were, mm-hmm. were espousing these these things as well. So watch and, then, and, then, and then it leaked into... Uh, um, I think it leaked ultimately into politics mm-hmm. um, because it was a dream that was unfulfilled. I think people saw that it was a lie Mm -hmm. and they said, where was this America that we were promised? And then a lot of politicians are just like, well, we can get that for you. And I'm like, no, you fucking can't. It does not exist. It's a lie, Mm -hmm. but the promise still has value to some people. So um, it's something that we should keep an eye on. It's something that we should be 
concerned about and like all propaganda films they should be questioned mm. um again thank you for listening to episode zero we'll be back next week we're going to go right back to the silent era to talk about a film that some have considered and i actually don't know how true this is i feel like it's it feels true but it's not technically true mm. uh the first proper horror movie uh the cabinet of dr caligari um, it's the one that might be f- explicitly horror. I mean, there yeah. were def- definitely films before. Like, this, there was, I think, the... I think even there was a there was a like an Edison film that was an adaptation of Frankenstein, yeah. for example. But um, like there, there were films about monsters yeah. and things. That it's dealt one with of those. It's subjects. one of those. It's one of those blanket statements people like to throw at, like, "Oh yeah, did you know that Halloween was the first slasher movie?" Mm-hmm. No, Steamboat Willie was the first cartoon short ever. If yeah. you ask Disney, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. No, well. <laughs> Uh, uh, Snow White and Seven Dwarves, not the first feature-length animated film. There were silent feature-length mm. animated films. That was totally a thing. But so we'll, we'll talk about a, we'll talk about the actual history of that. We're just, I'm just telling you, like the legend. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about it in more detail next it's a, week. It's a film from 1920. It's on Tubi. Uh, yeah, it's, and I believe it's public domain, so it's very easy to track probably, down. Yeah, probably just watch it. Yeah, on, you, on any you streaming pro- platform. Well, almost any. But uh, in any case, yeah, it is a wonderful German expressionist horror film about a traveling uh, showman who has a uh, he's a hypnotist and he has a sleepwalker who does his bidding and the sleepwalker does horrible things Uh, and it's very influential in cinema in a wide variety of ways not just in the Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, but in a a lot of basic storytelling ways Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that in great detail as well so thank you everybody for listening if you want to write in talk about any of the films we talked about today and the subject we talked about today, anything at all really, you can email us, letters at criticallyacclaimed.net and we might read your email in an upcoming episode of our podcast, We've Got Mail, right here on the Critically Acclaimed Network. We have a ton of shows right here on the Critically Acclaimed Network. If you want more shows, head on over to patreon.com slash Network, where we have shows about Star Trek, Disney, Batman, the Oscars. We do commentary tracks. We have a lot of exclusive content there, and uh, it's our thank you to everyone, all of our patrons, who help keep this show and all of our shows going. Without you, we wouldn't be here, mm-hmm. and I would have no purpose. <laughs> so uh, I'm very, very grateful to all of our patrons in particular. Thank you very, very much. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And until then, I see you shiver with Antissa.